Hey, it's Aidan here. Just before we get into today's episode, I wanted to let you know about something new. It's called the Magician's Business Group. We've just opened up a Facebook group designed to help you guys as entertainers grow and improve your entertainment business. So if that is you, if you are an entertainer that wants help growing and improving your entertainment business, just head over to thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash group and the magic of the internet will take you right there. Or if you're like me, have the Facebook app on your phone, open it up and search for the Magician's Business Group and you'll go straight there. Anyways, back to the episode. Hello and welcome to the Successful Mentalist podcast, the podcast where we teach you the tips, the tricks, the methods, the strategies and the skills that you can take to apply to your performances and your business to elevate those and grow those even more. Uh, I'm joined by my good friend and co-host Ashley Green today. And hello. he stayed silent. That was awkward. Um, yeah. I've not stayed uh, hey, silent. I've said hello. That's all I need to say. Awkward, with these silence, is a, awkward silence is simply a little bit of a continuity thing for you, don't oh, they? Oh, because, uh, yeah. <laughs> today, we've got an incredibly special episode. So although we're here to teach you all of these skills and these strategies, today, we're shutting up. And we've actually handed the power over to some incredible guests. These are the first guests that we've had on the podcast. Um, you'll probably be familiar with them. I tell you what, when we first started TSM, I never in a million years dreamt that we'd be getting a name or names like this on the actual bill to like, you know, come on the podcast and their knowledge and everything they're sharing today. I, I'm just so, I, I was just so happy with how open they were and how much gold they put in it's it's an incredible episode and i know that you the same as me left like wow we've got a lot to think about because the the knowledge shared is is top notch isn't it oh it's fantastic what i particularly loved is the fact that we just opened the doors to let them tell their stories say everything and uh they're just there's so much information if you don't have a like a piece of paper and a pen or your apps or notes or whatever if you don't have anything ready to take your notes i would advise getting that now because this episode you're gonna need it these guests have been seen on television across the world from the likes of shows of america's got talent britain's got talent america's got talent the champions pen and teller fall us masters of illusion they've also been on stage uh, across the world from tours with the illusionists with limitless uh, cirque du soleil we've also got a mentalist a magician a dancer a model an aerialist a fictional character two pet lovers and a million animals apparently um and that's all squished right down into uh both colin and chloe cloud Hello. hi it's a lot of stuff that is a lot of stuff. Yeah. I did have to. I did have to write it down because that was very yeah. efficient. Yeah, that was well done. That was that was oh. really. If you could send me that, we're going to use that as our <laughs> intro everywhere. Now. That is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that was amazing the way you did that. But I'm, I'm just. We can end it now. I've got what I came for. The recording of Aiden saying that. That's uh, yeah. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Uh, yeah. No, that was that was awesome, man. Well done, you. Oh, I'm happy. I love that you called me a dancer and a model as well. I really respect that. Had to do that. Had to do that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I can tell we're going to have so much fun on this podcast today. It's going to be brilliant. Oh, so one, <laughs> one, 
Can I have you saying that? I like that you said that and it killed him. It was just dead. It was just dead quiet. I was like, oh, what have I done? School coming in going, this is going to be fun. And you're like, nah, it's not. Nah, you've killed it. Yeah. This is going to be a great podcast. Silence of death. Wow. 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 Oh, wow. I don't know if you're going to keep all this in or edit around it, but either way, I'm no, done. No, it stays in. Oh, I think it makes it interesting. I'm yeah. oh, literally in already. Anyway, before I lose track of everything we wanted to ask um, to you guys, I thought it'd be great for our listeners and viewers, if they're still around by now, I'm listening to the awkward silences. <laughs> Why don't you tell us kind of your brief backgrounds in magic and mentalism? Oh, you want me to go first? Yeah. Uh, all right, I'll go first. Um, <laughs> my background... Well, I guess I didn't really... Well, I... Okay, true story. When I was growing up, I really loved magic. I watched a lot of magic on TV. Um, like the uh, Masked Magician, the, the Secrets Revealed, or stuff like that. I loved those shows when I was a kid. Um, they would always play late on British telly. Uh, so I stay up and watch those. And then that... But I always loved the dances more than I loved the dude in the mask because I was like oh these guys are beautiful they are doing all the work and I was more fascinated with that than this guy that was just kind of dancing around not really doing a lot um no offense but uh so that I loved but then I when I was like five years old I started dancing and loved that and danced to like well till you know my whole life I've danced and it wasn't until I came to Vegas I was about it was the first time I came, 18, 19, that I really got into magic. I uh, I like assisted a few people, because obviously I was dancing as well. Um, but it, I saw how many magicians were in Vegas and every, like everywhere in the world. There was a lot of male magicians. And I was like, why are not many women doing this? And I was like, well, I'll just give it a try. Why not? And I learned a few things. I like, it was all quite, like looking back, it was very cheesy. Like I would never do what I did back then now, but it was fun. Like I was like, oh, I'm learning on this new stuff. And I did like a four or five minute act in a Christmas show just to see how I felt doing magic live. Cause it's very different doing it in front of people and it's nerve wracking and it's scary, but I loved it. I thought it was great. I, I had a lot of support from the audience and everything. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna just keep, keep at it and see what happens while I was still dancing in a in a show in vegas at the luxor called fantasy so i was kind of doing both at the same time and then i put some videos out on youtube i got contacted from britain's got talent uh, like via facebook i think that's when they contacted me uh asking if i would do the show and i was like oh i don't know about that i haven't really it's not like i've done magic for you know since my great aunt mildred gave me a magic kit when i was <laughs> like everyone's usual story um but I was like, you know what, screw it. The worst, worst comes to worst, it doesn't air or I get buzzed or whatever. I'm like, well, I've not really got anything to lose. So I went and did the show and it was great. I got to the semi-finals. I was the first female magician to get to the semi. So that was amazing. And then came back and then ended up going on tour with Supernaturalist. Then I got into what with Set de Soleil back at the Luxor again, which was strange. Um, went with them for three years, then did The Illusionist on Broadway. Then we did the Edinburgh Fringe Festival last year. So it's kind of just kept on rolling. And I, I yeah, I don't really know what, how it happened, to be honest. It was just like, I'm just going to try out this thing. And I'm still kind of at it. Mm. That's it in a nutshell, really. It's a good nutshell. Yeah. Yeah. Then I met this one. 
Yes. Yeah, well, we met on Broadway, which is, yeah. Well, we met, yeah. Well, we met before that. Yeah, we yeah. Knew, yeah, yeah. But, we um, yes, I, I mean, and, and my story is kind of, kind of normal, kind of not. I did get the Paul Daniels magic kit, but I hated it because my cousin Karen, she learned all the tricks first. She showed them to the family, so I actually hated magic and Karen even more. Um, but, um, I was always into, you know, in the UK, Paul McKenna hypnotizing people who would just be like sleep. And I'm like, why is this happening to these people? Always loved Sherlock. Like none of that's made up. Like that is all like since I was a kid, loved hypnosis, loved Sherlock. Um, and it wasn't really until I discovered, I mean, obviously Darren hit the scene, but just before that, like I had 13 steps to mentalism and Animan's practical mental, uh, yeah, practical mental miracles uh, was the book that I had. And uh Went through those. I did actually, like, I dismissed a lot of it because I thought a lot of this will never fool people. And then tried it for people at school and they were, like, totally fooled by it. And I was like, holy shit, this stuff actually, like, what? why are you thinking this is... So anyway, that, that kind of started clicking everything into place with the Sherlock. The mentalism was more my thing. Uh, always loved comedy as well. Saturday, uh, Friday nights in the UK, Channel uh, BBC Two, rather not Channel Two. BBC Two had the Fast Show, Harry Enfield and Chums. It had all these comedy shows, and I just loved watching. I would video them and then spend the weekend basically analysing like why stuff was funny. Uh, I just loved comedy, and that's what kind of then led to. Obviously, I went to university, young, studied forensic investigation, got into performing more comedy than mentalism at the stand, and then met. Gavin Oates and Kevin McMahon and the three of us did the Colour Ham together, which was like ridiculous sketch comedy nonsense, which is probably, I mean, I just saw that Little Britain got taken off TV in the UK and that will never be shown again. I think in that regard, the Colour Ham will never be seen in the light of day ever again. Either. <laughs> it was kind of very edgy and stuff, but like it was, it was great fun. I learned loads from those two about being on stage. That got me into the Edinburgh Festival and everything kind of escalated from there with the like illusionist i emailed them and i said can you guys like would you consider having a mentalist they said we've tried that it's not for us it's not visual enough or fast enough i was like oh right okay well here's a video anyway of me doing the acts that i would have done so and then like a week later i got an email saying was that like a one-off or can you send us other footage of that same act and i said i filmed everything at wild cabaret so I sent them like 10 videos of the exact same act and they said, can we meet you in London? We met in London. They said, can you host the show in the West End? And I was like, oh my God. I was like, who else is in it? And they were like, David Williamson, uh, Kevin James. And I'm like, oh dear. Um, like Williamson should be hosting. But anyway, they, they had me do it because they wanted a British accent hosting it. And that then led to touring America, AGT, us on Broadway, us at the Edinburgh Festival. Um, and of, of late, you know, Shin basically, I, I was done with touring. Like I was, I think you and I both kind of agreed that we, the novelty had worn off. So I was going to definitely never do that again for, for a long time because it just, it's like, it's the dream, but it's also the nightmare because you're, you're on stage for 30 minutes a night doing the stuff that you love, but then you've got 23 hours and a half a day of like, what the hell is my life? But, um, yeah, so basically decided I'm settling down somewhere. I don't know what I'll do yet. We'll see. And then Shin said, do you want to do the show on the Mirage together? And I was like, do you want me to open for you? Like, because yes. And he was like, no, no, no. I want it to be like you, then me, then you, then me, then us, then you, then me, then us. Then So it's very much and the, like even recently, we'll get into this later, I'm sure. But like he, like he was over here a few nights ago and we were rewriting the show, the five of us together. And uh, because it is very much the five of us at the core that like have helped grow that show um and yeah so it's great now to be in vegas and then you're back doing your stuff here and i'm doing my stuff here and it's nice to be in one place doing that 
Wow. Yeah. That's sounds uh, of death again. That's, uh, <laughs> brilliant. Ashley didn't jump in though, and he didn't. He didn't like label it, so that was fine. You're off the hook there, Ashley. You're off the hook, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that seems to just have have been like one of those kickstarts, and the whole ball, the snowball effect, just just kept kept rolling there. So is that? Is there any of all of these huge, incredible achievements? Are there any standout moments from from any? Are there any specific bits that you kind of? Well, for I you, judging. I was no, no, no. I was going to say for you, it must be proposing to me on Broadway. Well, that's not performing, though. <laughs> <laughs> Denied. <laughs> no, I. Didn't do that. You did. You did. I did do that. Yes, you did. No one gets what that joke is. No. <laughs> um, what about you? I love doing the Royal Variety It wasn't being proposed to on Broadway? That wasn't performing. Oh, right. um, <laughs> I loved the Royal Variety performance because my parents got to come to it and like be there. And they've, I'd been in America for like three years at that point. So they hadn't seen really anything that I'd been doing apart from the festival, but like on a big stage. Well, I mean, the festival, the Grand's a big stage. Of course, I love that room. But on in like a theater, that was the first Thing that it seen me do really and the fact that it was royal variety and the fact that it was for prince william and kate middleton and the fact that miranda was hosting it and they loved that show so just yeah I'm, I'm i was just happy that they were very happy and seemed to be very proud of what i had done and yeah and i got to do a routine there that i don't like when i when i came up with the routine i always jokingly in my head with gavin said if i ever did royal variety that's the thing i'm going to do there and got to do it there and uh Excuse me, haven't done it in like three or four years and decided recently that we're going to bring it back. Oh, that one. Yeah, because we need to social distance and I need a prediction where no one has to touch a freaking envelope. <laughs> yeah, so it's just funny how all that stuff comes full circle. But yeah, definitely for me, Royal Variety. What is it for you, really? I don't even know. That's really hard. Why they're asking the hard questions, baby. I That's what this well, is. Digging deep. There is, is there I mean, being on Broadway is awesome. That was cool. Like being on the, the face, like my face on everything and like there being a big, what was bigger than me, like an eight foot version of me on the side of a hotel. Mm. Um, like yeah, walking through Times Square and seeing all the screens turn to like your face is it's pretty, pretty nice. insane. Like it's, so weird. It, it, it's only like in the moment you're in that bubble and you're so exhausted and the adrenaline's there and they have you going from like we were getting up at, 5 a.m. some mornings to go film so, things and yeah. just get interviewed and like it's amazing and the buzz is incredible and at night you're trying to go out and like celebrate a little bit but you're so exhausted that you don't even really party too much so then it's just it's just a blur so it's only like a year later you can sit down and go oh my god oh, we did that and you're going through your photos in your phone and you're like oh there's that photo of brought remember that you know and it's it's it felt like the longest amount of time but also the shortest like it was really weird like when we were doing three shows a day, it was like, oh my gosh, what what is like we were like having a nap in between the shows, and it was nuts. And that's yeah, that was the worst because you got the adrenaline for the show, but then after the show, you're on that downward thing, and the adrenaline's all over the place. And then you you sleep, then you got to try and wake up again and get back into the mode for the yeah. the afternoon show. But it did really fly by because we were only there one month, six weeks, a month. Uh, I think da, 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 seven weeks, seven, seven weeks, and we did that other show. But it did fly by. Yeah, it was super it was... quickly. It, it, yeah, it was so fast. What? Yeah, that was um, 
one thing I was actually uh, curious at, to be honest, with you hopping around everywhere, well, both of you hopping around everywhere, doing shows on like incredible stages. How do you cope with a multitude of pets? How does that? <laughs> well, we haven't really traveled as much since we've lived in Vegas, but before, like you were living in Scotland, I was living in Vegas and you have your, his family looks after his cats, would look after his cats yeah. there when you only had two. And then, where was I? I take the dogs everywhere, which is nice. Because with two, I can fly everywhere with them. So they came to Broadway. They were in rehearsals in, where were we? Syracuse? Syracuse, yeah. Like, walking through the snow with me. Like, at rehearsals every day. Like, everyone just knows, like, yeah, the in dogs America, come with me everywhere. In America, you can fly with, like, dogs everywhere. on planes really easily. So that's just, so that's not an alien thing. So when I was, I like when we were touring, like they could just fly with us everywhere and be there. Then to get them into the UK was quite an adventure because we had to fly Vegas because, to yeah. New York, then New York to Paris. Then my dad drove to Paris from Edinburgh to pick us up to then drive us back to, yeah. because you can't fly into the UK with them, but you can fly into Europe, which is okay. But you can fly, but then we flew them back to Vegas coming from Edinburgh. We went just to straight to New York. New York, then Vegas. Had, yeah. But yeah, it's, that's yeah, these are some of the most traveled pets on the planet. <laughs> oh, they didn't come to Mexico with us. We had shows in Mexico, but they didn't come there. No. Um, but they've been everywhere around the US. They come on tour. They're the the dogs are sleeping right now. Actually, they're very easy to deal with. Um, and then my cats, like my parents, would look there. after them. Yeah. So I didn't see them for a lot of the time, which is why I decided I wanted to just settle down somewhere. And then we had to break the cats into america and we got them here and now we're... Yeah, we had a drive oh the cats we had to drive them to pa we had to do the reverse with the cats we had to drive the yeah. cat from edinburgh to paris yeah. over the what's this thing called your channel <laughs> the macarena, macarena. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and fly them to new york and then fly them to vegas so it was like to an, a day and a half of travel. Yeah, this is the gripping magic chat people are into, by the way. This is it. Packs. This is the real stuff. Yeah, this is, this, this, is the, this is the real worker stuff, though. Like, you can do it. Like, if people are thinking, I want to be on tour with pets, it is possible, but, yeah. like, you need to just... Uh, dogs are, a little dog is easy. One little dog Yeah, dogs are fine. Crazy. But, yeah, it's nice now to be here and be able to just... I think share. it's nice to have pets around when you're performing. Yeah, like they I mean, were always backstage. Well, put it this way: nice. our like our dressing room, myself, Chloe, and Shin Lim's dressing room were all side by side on Broadway, and the dogs would go visit Shin and Casey, <laughs> Shin's wife, every day. And after they'd go, Broadway, they'd go in, like the wardrobe area because it was really big. They yeah. would just run around. Backstage. But after that, Shin and Casey went and got a dog because they loved oh, Chloe's yeah. dog so much. So, like, you know, it was it was nice. Yeah, literally turned it into an army of animals. Very much so. <laughs> yeah, a platoon. Yeah. <laughs> Have they have they have said animals ever been used as part of a, a stage piece at all? Has that idea crossed crossed you your mind? Used, you used a cat. I used a cat, which came AGT, but that wasn't. But that came from me being homesick and wanting to do a routine, and I pitched them the idea, and they went no, and I was like, why? And they were like, oh, because of intellectual property, and I'm like, okay, what about this idea? And they were like, no, and I just kept saying stuff, and they were like, no, no. I was just like, oh my god, I was like, get a cat. And I was just homesick, <laughs> and they were, they were like, "Oh, that we can do." And I was like, "Oh, what am I gonna do with a cat?" And then I had to then rework the, the that routine to fit a cat out of nowhere. But it was like, yeah, cool, fun, different. That's made my it. favorite one you've ever done. That's my favorite thing I've ever done. My favorite thing you've that, ever done. Is it? With yeah, a cat? With really. A cat. I think it's because I was a cat. To be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if it was a dog, that's the only thing that would have made it better. Mm, debatable. Mm, agree to disagree. 
Um, yeah, no, that's good fun though. Like they 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 had to get trained stunt kittens because the boy the boy cat that I used had its sister backstage in case he was too freaked out. But that so basically AGT filmed two shows a day, like uh, one sitting from like eleven a.m. till three, and then from like five till nine. So in the morning one, I had to go in with the cat and be in the audience with this cat lingering at the back of the room <laughs> to make sure the cat was fine with cheering and buzzers and I had to get used to me so that when we filmed my thing at night, it was like good to go. No, and I was the first person to, not the way it's shown on, I'm sure when it aired, but I was the first person to ever use Tyra Banks. She was a new judge and I was the first person to use her as a, uh, as a spectator. So. To what? I just sit on the couch. Yeah, so they had, yeah. So they had me in the first one take her in and hold her with the audience so that she got used to the buzzers and the loud. They didn't. That would have been. That was good. <laughs> so there's one thing um, you mentioned, obviously, about AGT and obviously Chloe with yourself with BGT. I was watching your acts the other day, and one thing that really stands out is how kind of unique you both are when compared to a lot of performers out there. So I know obviously a lot of people listening to this podcast are struggling at the moment with trying to be unique. And how do you think you can find your edge and be unique in the industry at the moment? <laughs> do you, would you like to go first? I'll let you go first. Why don't we go first? Because Chloe always says that I talk too much in these things. So no, I'm letting her go first. <laughs> I don't honestly talk too much. Uh, I just have got a lot to say on this subject. So I'm letting you go first so that I can then talk much. <laughs> Um, how, so what was the question? How to be how, unique? What, how be unique? unique. Um, I mean, you go first because you've kind of had your char character on yeah. stage well, for, well, no. for a longer time than I have. Yes, but I think my character is just me. Uh, yeah, but I've just become more comfortable being myself and saying the shit that I want to say that like people come off like after the show people come up to me and they're like you're hilarious and I'm thinking Meh, I think you're I'm just that funny I'm just I'm just oh, what <laughs> <laughs> wow I don't know we play this back with left the real and the fourth one um, but no I I think I've just I'm just honest now on stage and I just have learned how to say things and pause in a certain way and. Like, certainly being around Gavin from The Colour Ham, like, I learned a lot about timing and, like, how to not need to, I mean this with love and respect, but how to not have to do much, but to do it in a certain way and a certain air of control that it just allows you to, the audience to feel like they trust you, that you're in command, and then what you're doing, they feel like, this, oh, we're in safe hands. Whatever this guy's doing, it's for the right reasons. So if I say something that I'm in a vibe that's meant to be quite funny, then people, I don't know why, it's just this weird attitude that you get people in. There's this subconscious level of trust. So I think my character has evolved into me just being me. But the big thing is that I'm just, I'm really authentic to who I am and what I love. Like I love Sherlock, I love Doctor Who, I love comedy, I love stuff like that. So like I draw on the bits of all that that I love and then I, I don't try and copy any of that, but I just, I take the bits that I like and I'm like, cool, how would I use that? How would I dress, act, perform, like all that stuff, you know? And and I I, I just think too many people watch the DVD of the guy performing it a certain way and you just go out and do it like that. And it's like, no, you're all, and most of the time that DVD was like a dreadful performance anyway. So don't try and copy that, do anything but that. And then it might start getting better. But and I'm not saying that to be horrible because like I, my opening minds DVDs, I didn't, give away any of my presentations I, I swear like I took all my jokes out of that and it was horrible doing the performance but I didn't want to give away my jokes because I knew 
people that see this routine are just going to do the same jokes. And I'm like, I would rather for the right reasons, you're buying the trick and the method. You're not buying my presentation. Like that's to me, like I've got notes here. Like, so you've, you guys have both seen the, the cyber mentalist show only if like, so bunch of stuff has come out of that. A bunch of stuff's gone in that. And like, these are all the new lines that I've written that I still need to memorize for tomorrow that I've not said before. Like the, the writing jokes and moments and stuff like that, that is the hardest bit. Like, in my opinion, this is not from a place of like arrogance, but the methods are easy because all the best methods have already been created. So like, you don't need to stress working out the method, go focus on like, why are you doing something like, what the hell are people meant to think of you on like when people watch you on stage, what are they meant to be thinking and feeling? What are you? What, what, what is this experience that you're giving them? And I think when you start working out that and you start asking yourself those questions, you, you get the answers that make you different, but you also then feel fulfilled as a performer because you're not then on stage just being a bad, some people get fulfillment from just getting laughs and, uh, and, and gasps from doing tricks the way that other people have done them. But in my opinion, that's lazy. And I think if you're going to charge money for people to watch you in, you know, basically any capacity, certainly like a theater show, like you need to have a bit of authenticity in that. You need to be really true to who you are and what it is you're trying to share. And like, I'll never forget Michael Weber. This might have been a tweet he put out. He was like, I would rather see something new done badly than something old done really well. And I'm paraphrasing that, I'm sure, really badly. But the point Michael's making is, yeah, the old stuff, we know that it works. We know it can be done well. Like, we've seen it. Like, cool. The people that stand out and the people, like, the reason that I think you end up on the likes of Broadway is because you're the person that takes the risk. You do something differently. It does not work the first time. You learn the hard way and you learn how to fix it really quickly to get it to a place where the new thing that you are creating, crafting, building, shaping, molding, whatever, you get that to a place where it's unlike anything else out there. And I think, I know I know, I talk a lot about like this idea of being different and it's tough to tell you what the answer to that is because it's going to be very different for every individual that, that's out there. There's no right answer. The only, in fact, the only right answer is to just don't do what's already been done. Like I imagine every path to, I hate like, I'm not like fame doesn't interest me, but like I'm more interested in the idea of you should be respected as an artist for what you should do. And I don't class myself as an artist. I'm a performer. I just love doing this stuff. So like label it however you want. But any path that someone has taken to get to a level of respect or fame or notoriety, I in my head consider that path like shut down and closed. Don't try and copy it because it's been done. It will never work for anyone else. So you need to go find your own ways. And is that hard? Yes. But is it going to be worth it? Yes. And I just feel like just be true to who you are and like, don't just don't try and copy anyone else. Watch everything you can in every other art form, apart from the one that you're in and like draw on all of that. And by the end of it, if you find what you like and why you like it, you'll then have new ways of thinking and approaching, delivering whatever it is you want to actually perform. Does that make sense? Yeah, that that's piece. brilliant. Yeah, cool. Was that? <laughs> that's always, yeah, was that for you. I, I, I just, I, I I'm really passionate about this, like because I just feel like it's the the uh, we've we've spoken about this before a lot, but the Ourobora image, the snake eating its own tail. Oh, you know what it's called now? Yeah, I do. I've learned it. <laughs> yeah, we had to Google it once. Um, but that is what magic could become eventually if it's just the same. Like if you go to a convention and everyone buys the same tricks and they show the same tricks to each other and they all leave doing the same tricks, then it's just like. 
oh, it's just cannibalizing itself. And there's like, yeah, the people that are doing really well are the people who are authentic, the people that take risks, the people, and by the way, you're not gonna, I don't get it right the first time. Like, like the only reason I kept the chop cup with the dye in the show, which is now gone, <laughs> is because I mentioned that I was doing a thing that I loved as a kid, which is true, I loved cups and balls. And the only reason I had to keep it in is because Aiden asked me, uh, what's that thing with the dye? Uh, and I was like, well, fuck, now I've got to keep, sorry, now I've got to keep it in because <laughs> are committed. Um, but I tried it and you know what? I'm, I am proud of moments in it. I'm proud of like the watch being the thing that's the final load and the money vanishing, which was all like just me, like the, the method for like that and the pulley system with like moving stuff like on a pedal and like all that stuff I'm, I'm proud of, but it's just if it's not right then i'll drop it and I'll, i can take the same presentation put it like somewhere else or even the presentation wasn't really there yet but i just love the idea of doing i like the idea of like taking magic tricks and doing them in a more psychological type way like in the vegas show i used to do a version of ring flight and it was all pickpocketing based um which i it, it involved handling too many people and being really close so i will not be doing that until you know at, at least next year so uh, so I wanted to take another trick, which is why I took cups. I was like, again, one of my starting points usually is what would Darren not do? Like, cool. Darren would not do cups and balls. Cool. How would Darren definitely not do cups and balls? Cool. How would I? And then it's like, no, how would, how would I do it? And why would I do it that way? And how else can I make it more me? So, um, yeah, that's why I like that challenge. It's just like what, I mean, obviously when you're doing mentalism, Darren has done every, you're going to read minds, right? He, as a mentalist, you're going to read a mind. It's, it's going to have to happen. Darren has done everything better than anyone else ever will. And, you know, you need to respect that. So it's then a case of going, cool, how can you do it differently to how Darren did it? And, like, that's why when I did BGT, I flashed my ass. Because I was like, he, Darren would definitely never do that, which is ridiculous. But I was doing the color ham at the time, and it was like, it fits that kind of, you know, fan base. So... Yeah. What, what? Yeah. Oh, I did much worse than that, darling. You have no idea. Yes. Yeah. 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 It was. I don't need to know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Think fantasy. Uh... I don't think it. No. <laughs> it was worse than that. <laughs> um, uh, oh well. No. Yeah, this was worse. Uh, but yeah, I. Uh, I just think I just taking risks, and you're never going to get. And the point of saying that was. I committed to it for like six shows to really try it. And there were bits people liked, like my friend David actually really liked it. He was like, some of the, the cameras ruthless, so your angles need to be really perfect on stuff. And it was like, yeah, I know. It's like you can't use typical misdirection and movement the way that you normally would. Um, but he, he loved that it. it was something visual and different and in there. Um, but after six shows, I was like, it wasn't for me. So I have taken that out and I've rewritten that part and something else is there instead now. So, but yeah, but take risks and like, yeah, don't, don't worry about getting it wrong because as much as you might come off stage thinking, oh, that was dreadful. It's an audience of 50 to hundred people who with the greatest respect will forget it ever happened. I know it will scar you for life, but it's 50 to hundred people that will just forget that it happened and you will learn so much from it. And, uh, yeah. That's, excuse me, that's just where I'm at with this stuff. Do you want to chip in? Yeah. <laughs> um, what was the original question again? <laughs> I love that. It was a little while ago, but it was about being unique. Yeah, about being unique. Um, I mean, well, yeah, a lot of what you said, but I think, 
like I've definitely had a lot of different versions of myself on stage like I've gone through a lot of transformations I guess that sounds very dramatic but um because I went from being in shows where I was like directed a lot and like told what to say told what to wear and it, it was told what magic to do and that's you know you're like okay whatever I'm making a paycheck but in the end it doesn't there's only so much you can do that because it's if it's if you don't feel it if it isn't what you would do or fits like who you are then like it just it's it's not going to work forever because you're going to you you will fight fight it like I've had many like I won't say names but people write lines for me because I was like I've always danced in an illusion so I wasn't really doing a speaking act and then I was like okay I should we should talk more and I've got got a well here I have an accent so I should use that so I had a lot of different people write for me to see you know what kind of style what what would I say am I going to be funny am I not going to be funny like where do I stand with that and it didn't work like me having other writers did not work like I need to write for myself and just see how it goes and it, it, it just there's only so much you can have someone direct you it doesn't work all the time yeah and even some of the jokes that like I suggested to you like it, it fell flat because we're not the same person one I'm a woman two Colin's very like aggressive I would say on stage <laughs> no but you can chat with people but you get away with it because one you're Scottish and one you're a man like I can't do that so that's like, what people expect of Scottish men is that we're just I aggressive mean, yeah, yeah. But like, I can't do that. Like when we were doing, we did one act together on Broadway and we had a, like, we played around with it a lot and it just, we're just very different characters and we're, we're both accepted in different ways on stage. Like I can't be mean to people on stage because the audience will turn against me. Whereas you can play it in a way that they like kind of get on your side with it. And it's more, I don't know, it's just for it's just very different it, it, it's you know i've been like watching a lot of female comedians even though i don't really want to do comedy but i'm like okay let's find someone that looks similar to me who does comedy and see what their style is how did they get away with saying certain things are they you know i never wanted to be that like dumb blonde character because it just isn't me and honestly it's too easy like it's too easy to play that character and i think now in what are we 2020 now you can't it just doesn't it doesn't roll anymore. People will it's, call you It is kind it. of interesting though that the type of magic that you're drawn to, not that it's the only stuff that you do, but more the shock stuff, is that people don't expect. But then also female comedians who are, I'm not trying to generalize here, but blonde and good looking, do, do not blonde, sorry, <laughs> yes, well, candy floss. Um, but female comedians who are blonde and good looking, the one that we watched, her comedy is very shock comedy in that yeah, I won't. I don't know your Same. your demographic, but like her comedy is straight away talking about things that are very sexual, and you're like, "Whoa, what did that?" Like, it's just like, it's just like it so. Me, yeah. shock. So because like, you don't magic... expect someone like that to say what not not say. right away anyway. And then no. like, yeah, when you do them the stuff you do, it's like, "Whoa!" And I, th I yeah. think, but I also think that jarring that contrast really helps as well. Yeah, I love geek magic. That's always been. Um, <laughs> you didn't um i love geek magic i always have i'm like a huge dance very fan like love his stuff but what i always wanted to do was not look like i don't want to look what what am i trying to say i don't want it i don't want to look a <laughs> so no, i want to see how you describe dance very you don't want to look what <laughs> no but like I a think... homeless troll no dan i'm joking no i love dan dance by the way no well dan's one of the 
best performers I have ever seen in my life. Yes, Dan Sperry yes, and nice. Jeff Hobson. When I came to uh, Illusionist in America, I was terrified because of how good they both were. Like, these are two guys, they're so good because they are so defined in their character and their material yeah. and their attitude. Like, Dan is scarily brilliant. Yeah. Uh, he and Jeff Hobson, like Williamson as well, yes. Um, but as a as a performer, consistent character throughout the show, oh my God, Dan Sperry and Jeff Hobson are the, the, the two best. It's as simple as that. Yeah, and I think the difference that I wanted with my work was obviously when you see Dan, you kind of think something shocking is going to happen because of how dramatic his look is and, yeah. and everything. Whereas I wanted to be completely different. So I wanted to look like, oh, she's going to come out and do a nice little clothing trick or a card trick or yeah. something like cute and pretty and a silk crap. Like, I think that's what yeah. people expect. It's really doubly of, shocking then. And as a result. not being me. But, but a lot of women do do that. They go, oh, well, I should do this magic because I'm a woman. Whereas I wanted to come out and do something disgusting and shocking, but not in a like... I think I add to it as kind of my own humor. So it's not like com comedian, like like your kind of comedy. It's more like humorous moments that like lighten the mood because it is a bit like, oh my God, what is she doing? And then it's like, oh, okay, she's not taking herself too seriously. I didn't want to come out and be like that dramatic, serious, like I think I'm all that. I want it to be more playful, but still do like some crazy yeah, and I think when you don't look the part, like with Dan, you're saying you basically expect something shocking to happen. With well, you, yeah, you don't. Of... But that's also why when Dan then does his Dove act at the end, and he's like, "Oh yeah, it's, it's like... he, it's the best Dove act on the planet." And when he does it, it's so unexpected at that point that that's why you know yeah. it was like almost the closing act in the Illusionist. It's, so, yeah. so that model works both ways, you know, and being able to have yeah. the biggest effect emotionally on people, I think, is like very important. Yeah, and I think. Like literally the reason I've like changed my hair, I'm going, I'm changing my style again. This is a great time because, you know, there's no shows open right now. No one's performing right now unless they're doing online stuff. Um, and I was like, okay, I should really use this time to like, what I really want to do, what do I want to look like, what do I want to say, what do I want to, what magic do I want to do? Because I kind of gave up, I gave up dancing. I gave up all that kind of physical performance kind of stuff and stuck with magic because I want to be take, wanted to be taken more seriously. And when I was dancing, it was always like, oh, well, do you like just assist that guy? Or do I, like, even with Colin, people have said it to me. And I'm like, excuse me, I want him to marry me, not the other way around. Like, the, like I, we were both built on board. I'm, I'm the beautiful assistant. You, the beautiful oh. assistant. <laughs> you, you did the dishes today. I did. Um, like, we were both on Broadway in equal, uh, equal billing. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know why, as a woman, that's always degraded. Like, that's never... It's, it, and it always is, it, and unfortunately it will be for a while. But I, yeah, like now I'm like, okay, looking at other women in magic, which I don't do very often, but I do look around and I'm like, okay, what are they doing? What's making them stand out or what isn't? And I was like, you know what? I am one of hundreds probably now of blonde, female, I won't say who I am, but that age of magician. And I don't want to do the same old stuff. I want to stand out. So I changed my hair. I'm changing my look. I'm looking at now taking dance aero acrobatics like everything i used to do and i grew up doing for like 20 years and mixing that with magic and using that as a positive thing not being like you know i think it's a good thing that i can do all these different things rather than just having one style and one uh, uh what do you call it? discipline 
like why not just take everything and mix it together and make something that no one else can do that's what makes me unique so and that's taking me up to like years to finally figure that out that no you should do what you've been doing this whole time don't just go well i should be serious because i want to do magic like that's crap like no i i agree like i've spoken about it before that like that's why i do ring flight is that me people think when you do mentalism just do mentalism and i'm like cool if you want to do that then that's that beyond yeah. you but like i'm like i just want to do what i enjoy doing and yeah and for me it's more my interaction with people is more important than the content for you it's like the I don't know, the visual spectacle for everything. It's, yeah, I have like... a real hard time with magic but when it doesn't make sense and there's no purpose. Like, <laughs> you know this, I've been to so many magic conventions and the amount of people that walked up to me and were like, can I show you a card trick? And I'm like, oh, I have to say this because I have to be polite. But I'm like, no, no, I don't want to. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. I don't like, like, I appreciate the skill I you know in in, in all, all magic if you're you know I don't like juggling but I appreciate the skill I can't juggle but it's just not for me so what was I saying I, sk I skipped over what's wrong up what did you say <laughs> wow I got so into there you go. magic yeah I, I <laughs> how much I don't like card tricks um you're just on. mixing different disciplines yeah, what, what did you say <laughs> what did I say I don't remember it. <laughs> Don't edit this. Keep this. No, keep this I this. could veer off. Okay. Uh, yeah. We haven't talked about this stuff in a long time. No, we haven't. No, I know. It's because like the life has been weird for three months and having to learn all this new stuff, StreamYard, Zoom, and all that. Oh, I remember. I remember. <laughs> so it's your life. Um, okay, so no, I I don't like when there's no context for a trick. I can see your face. Don't laugh at me. <laughs> um, like I don't get it. I don't get. I don't really care that you I can pick a card and then you know what it is like okay like whatever like for just for me that's me personally that's not me dissing magic I just I don't get it I need a and I think what is the best thing about what I do but also really can hurt me sometimes is that I need a story I need a purpose I need it can't just happen randomly I need it to have like even if it's not super clear like I need some kind of storyline through it otherwise I just don't, I don't know. Because it's the same, I think growing up as a dancer, like I was really into ballet when I was younger. Like whether you love it or hate it, it's ballet is beautiful and it's hard and it's, you know, it takes a lot of skill and there's always a story. Half the time you don't really know what's going on, but there is definitely a story. <laughs> like sometimes you're like, I don't know. But you know, like same with, what else? Dance is like primary, is a very big one that you usually have a yeah. story. But yeah, no, I think you summed it up when you said their story purpose. The only other thing I might add is meaning. But as long as it's meaning yeah. added in a way that is contextualized well. Like I I don't enjoy when I see some people talk about like a big philosophical thing and attach it to then a really irrelevant yeah. piece of magic. Like there's definitely a point where the magic can complement a, a point really well. But I also feel like sometimes they can really jar and butt heads. But yeah, I think story, purpose, and meaning are like very, very crucial uh, yeah. if you want to do something that people can really connect with. Uh, I think that's important. Uh, I just want to add as well, obviously, Chloe, you say you don't like card tricks. Um, so this this question is going to be specifically at you first and then Colin after it, if that's all right. But I know, obviously, your husband, being Colin, is one of the most prolific mentalists in the world at the moment. Um, but just forget he's here a second. What do you like about mentalism and what don't you like? I mean, Colin will tell you straight, but when 
what we found out we were working together on Broadway and we, you know, we talked about the show and what we were both doing because there was a little crossover about our ideas. Um, and then I, I, he invited me to see his show. What did you do? You did like a corporate show at... I came over for a few days to do a Bellagio? corporate show in the ballroom Bla in the Bellagio, Bellagio or some company. So I was like, company. all right, I'll come see the show. I don't, did not, I did not like mentalism at the time because I'd never seen it done well. Like at that point, I'd never seen any good mentalism. Um, I think maybe because I'd only seen either magicians do mentalism, I'm like, I don't need to see another prediction chest, I'm good. Or like, I'd seen mentalism do some stuff and it was just, I didn't really get it. I, I was like, I don't understand what you're trying to sell me here. I, I like, okay, I know you can't read minds, but what what's, I, I just didn't get it. I, I was like, there's no connection there. It just feels really fake. It feels worse than magic because I know you're lying. And it's not like you can forget it because it's so like personal with what you're doing. Um, but when I, when I saw his show, I was actually, he was very good. I was surprised. I was like, oh, thank God, I hope it's good. So if it's bad, it's going to be rough afterwards because I'm going to have to be nice about it. Um, but it was very good because I think it was a lot more, like, fast-paced and, it, you know, I, there's not necessarily a story, but it definitely flowed and it, you know, it connected with a lot of people. It wasn't just one-on-one, one-on-one. Um, so that was really nice. But, yeah, I, I think what I do like about what Colin does is it is very different to what I've seen, you know, I feel like a lot of mentors I see is very like, I feel like you just read it out of a book and did it. There was not really a lot of play with it. It was just, I, there was no context. Is this it? It's the same thing. Why I don't like card tricks? And it's not all card tricks. I just, I need a bit more. I need more than just, you know, like someone, oh, I think it was Ben, did like a tarot card trick on me once. And I actually really liked it because it was different. And it like, it connected with me because of what he said and it, it felt more personal where rather than, like and it, it it was about me it wasn't just about this card like it, it made more sense so i think i don't know sometimes sometimes men's systems just boring it goes on for 20 minutes and we get one like one reveal or one prediction you almost said something well you did say it but yeah. it's like so many mentalists basically their show is over and over again same thing look how good i am look how amazing i am and the thing that Ben Seidman, the tarot card thing, I don't know if he's released it yet. I know it's coming out soon, but when okay. when, when he uh, he did it like a year ago for for us, and it was like, no, 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 I think it's coming out soon, but like it's amazing, but it is about people. And I think mentalism does, I mean, the only trick you're doing as a mentalist really is to convince the audience that you're actually doing this. That is the only trick. And then your show is about backing that up. But if the show is only an hour of you over and over again going, and I, aren't I amazing? And there I'm amazing again. Then it's just like, oh, why do we care? Like, I, I mean, a story if I'm jumping in on you here, but like, you can always like come to the I, I don't enjoy most mentalist performances. I find it really slow, really boring, uh, very self indulgent most of the time. Very dramatic. They always want to be really like, I think oh, I, oh, like it's too, I think like, I think serious. drama yeah but I think depending I think when you're able to d give the belief that it's real then drama is part of it but it depends on the context and calibrating that with the environment as well but uh I think a lot of methods that I see that come out people are striving for the propolis but then the process is the method but the process is very I think transparent and I think if the process is the presentation then there's like an issue there and that for, that for me jars 
So for me, it's just like the best methods have been done. Like I'll switch a bit. Like I don't care, but like that's the least important bit. It's like cool. I got the information. How am I going to connect with this person? How am I going to elicit them like being really playful and how are they going to shine on stage basically? And how am I going to interact with them? And how am I going to create this moment for this entire audience that isn't just as you said one to one? It becomes about this play happening between me and this other person, and the audience are watching that that play play out and that drama that confrontation in my case I, I love going for like Chloe said aggressive towards people I love creating moments where people I mean in a nice fight no but like you don't you know when where yeah. the line is like a know. nice fight like a thumb wrestle you know yeah so, good one. Yeah. you know like how far you can push certain people and like and you read them and how you know there's only so far you can like with a woman like so if you have a woman on stage there's only so much play they can get and you know there's certain things you can't joke about like there's a line with mm. women like you can't take the take yeah it, yeah like i would like, never the hair or the no. physical like you don't do that but it's more in like i'm very good at creating moments where people look like they don't understand my instructions and then i berate those people for like apparently messing up this experience for everyone and that then becomes funnier than the actual trick yeah like but they're always on your team with it like oh yeah the person yeah, that you're yeah and the more i shout at them like and i'll and i'll sit down and i'll sit on my knees beside them on the chair and i'll look at them and be like what what are you doing right now like and just the way that i'm just addressing the elephants in the room that i have basically created to make this person look like they're screwing up and they're finding it hilarious that i'm getting angry at them for and everyone's finding it just those moments are like yeah people like and people when they come and meet shin and i after the show they do say the first thing they say is they say shin you're amazing then they turn to me and go and you're hilarious like that used to i've got this weird balance where it's like they don't say the first thing and, and then they go oh and the stuff you did is incredible as well but like you're hilarious and like but the hilarity and you know what i'm kind of like i'm okay with that because for me comedy has always been 51 percent of my passion mentalism magic mental magic 49 percent, i would say so i'm kind of okay with that and i feel like comedy you are really then connecting with people and through yeah. usually honesty or truth to some extent and i would rather that authenticity but again. i think too like because i've seen it sometimes like sometimes people like will play along and they'll be laughing but you do every now and again get someone up there who has stage fright and is peeing their pants up there nervous and they're like oh my god because it happens once every 10 20 shows you do and it's okay, how do I deal with that person? Still get out of them what I need, make them look great so that they feel better about being there. Because you've had that with the, with the guy. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, and it's oh, just yeah. knowing how to read them and not push yeah. them through it. And, be and this, is why, this is why I like I hate like pre-show because you can like... You never know. Oh, you never know how someone, <laughs> how they are before the show and how they're going to be on stage are two very different things. Like, and if you pre-show someone an hour before the show and then they've had an hour to drink or whatever like oh my i i love the fear that's why i just ah, i don't need that stress yeah. there are enough good methods in real time i would rather just know, yeah. so yeah i i just like and yeah i mean here's the thing my routines have never completely failed start to finish but my main routine that i call deduction is a is a billet act and um it it's the main thing that i've done since wild cabaret and i've grown it it started the first time i ever did it it was four minutes long at a ukulele variety oh, night at the edinburgh festival and my friend david i said look i've got this weird idea where uh i take on bob cassidy's name place but i don't want to i don't touch the billets he's like 
whoa, can I see that? And I was like, yeah, I'll try it. And I did it at this ukulele night and it lasted four minutes and it wow. was dreadful. But the method was solid. He went, that is really clever. He was like, that just needs work. And then Wild Cabaret for a year and then Illusion, well, for probably a few years at Wild Cabaret, in fact. And then London did it there, then Illusionist. And it's grown and grown. And now it's, what, 25 minutes long? It's, yeah. Yeah, now it's 25 minutes 20, long. 19, and it's, but it's yeah, up. and it's like the best thing that I do. Like, hands down, it's the best thing I've ever created. It's probably the one thing that I'll never really release because it's the thing I'll... It's like Paul Daniels had his electric chairs. This is like my equivalent where I couldn't even really teach it because there are now so many layers, so many methods. Because no one would... It just wouldn't be the same as someone else doing it either. And, and my personality is the method and the cover for a bunch of stuff happening. So no one else really... So like, yeah, so I'm not even... Like, we get loads of magicians and mentors at the show and like someone asked me, are you not worried that they're going to steal your stuff and i'm like good luck like i would like not i don't mean that in a rude way i would love to see you try and do that act because that act has evolved with me as i've grown it's grown and like as much as some of the methods are clever and they could steal them the cover for them working that that's my personality so like yeah um but it comes back to it's all about the people and it's not about like if i was standing on stage just going look how great i am then that routine would die a death but because it's all about getting people to shine and like it's I, I don't know i just feel like for me it's when i watched shin when we toured new zealand together before he'd done agt and stuff and i saw his dream act and i saw how many moments of magic there were i was like i need to i thought i was already doing enough mentalism in my act i was like i need to add more moments and i like added a bunch more reveals within deduction and so it's funny how he like and he's told me that like some of his thinking has come from watching opening mind so it's funny how he i influenced him and he influenced me and indirect like over the years just how often our paths have crossed and that's why i now think at the mirage as much as he and i could not be any more different as performers we contrast completely but then we complement each other so well in our in our styles and talking of card magic that is good yeah. His his magic's all a story, and it's like to and the to music, music, and it's like it does elicit emotion, and that's where you're watching more of a sand artist paint these amazing magical pictures than you are watching someone try to trick you with card tricks, you know, and that's why it works, I think. Yeah. There, and I think so. that's also playing to people's strengths too. Like, I don't really love talking on stage. I'll do it a little bit, but I'd rather do something to music because I I feel like I can connect better with people through music. I think that's like. If you're not a great talker, do something to music. Just do it. Because if you pick the right song, you will automatically connect no matter what you do. It doesn't matter. Um, and I think that's what what's so great about Shin stuff is it the music is stunning. You already have an emotion there that you just get naturally from, from it. And then obviously adding like amazing magical moments with it is, is beautiful. And Shin used to never speak at all. Like even when we toured New Zealand, I was the one that would talk and introduce him. And as I was introing him, I'd go into the audience and pick two women for him to do the dream act. And they would be sat there. He'd walk out, do it and leave. Whereas now he is getting more and more comfortable. Yeah, no, and, and it's like that thing where you don't need to be funny. You just need to be fun. And like people, like he's now a celebrity. People just love that he's there and yeah. they're in his presence. So it's like, don't try and be funny. Just be yourself. They already love who you yeah. are so just be you and it's all going to be amazing and, and yeah. it is if you're authentic and it doesn't matter if you screw up a line or you say the wrong thing if you're genuine and you when you walk out people will be on your side they don't care like i don't think it's about it being perfect it's just about being real yeah and the like i've fluff lines before and then i've i've like like i had a guy 
this was on Broadway. I got a just I picked a guy. He didn't speak English. I didn't know. And I did a little talking with him. And then I'm like, there's this moment of me going, oh, what am I going to do? This guy doesn't speak English. What I, I don't speak Portuguese. I, just, I did the same thing. I think I'm sorry. I just like, where do they speak? Um, and we, I was like, you know what? I'm locked in now. This guy is going to have a great time. He has no idea what's coming. But and it, it made it because the whole audience saw my reaction and me be like, oh, no. <laughs> this is not going to go well. <laughs> and then he had a great time. And he was great for my act. You know, he joked along, the audience loved it, and it was real. Like, instead of being like, oh, no, I better get someone else, I was like, screw it, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah, and I think when you know your material and you're comfortable yeah. with your material, the last like, the last thing I'm thinking about when I'm performing, maybe not so much recently with the Zoom stuff, because some of that is new are new methods, but with the routines that I've done for now five or six years, the last thing I'm thinking about are the, the tricks. I now know that they just work, and that's yeah. autopilot. I'm using all my attention to be present in the moment. And like with your routines, when you know them so well, when stuff like that happens, it doesn't throw you because you're like, this routine's still gonna work. You're just, uh, be aware, be present, address again the elephants in the room, and it just makes it more real. And it, and it feels to people like, wow, this has never happened like this before. This is just for us. Yeah. And that's that's when it's at You had a guy, you didn't know he needed a cane to walk and it was too late. You'd like pick the guy. Like, I mean, or, I've had that with a guy, like, because I used to have him sit on the edge of the stage with me for one act. And he got up and he, you'd think he was six foot tall. As soon as he stood up, he was like shorter than me. He was probably, I don't know, he had to be 80. It was very dark in the audience. Yeah. And I was like, it's gonna be fun yeah like, the point was... we need to commit if they start coming I'm like, it's fine. whatever you make it work like do you remember the the extra show that i did at the fringe this year where i was testing the material oh, to I go know. back and at one of the guys i brought up on stage i didn't know it was because he, he, had, a said, he had a full leg cast <laughs> and he had like canes now if this had been my earlier show and it was like in the grand where it's a little bit tougher to get out i'd be like man whatever but this was in uh, a different room and the seats had a bit more space and this was like midnight-ish so people it was a rowdier audience and i was like a bit more sweary and a bit more comedy club style so when i saw him with that on and he kind of pointed and the music was the track for people coming up the sting was dying out and he kind of pointed at the leg and i think i just went i don't give a flying and then they, they all died i went what do you think this is pe have you got a note so you can get out of class i don't care get your ass up on stage and i made this guy get up on stage and I helped him to near the top, but then I grabbed one of the like the, the walkies and I started smacking his ass to get him up. But like in the environment, that works yeah. and like addressing the fact. And then well, when he, he came, was on board, he though. was, and there was a seat up there and I knew that I was going to go get the chair for him to sit down and stuff. So I knew that like I had yeah. that coming, but just for the audience to think, oh my God, not only are you addressing the situation, you're like riffing with it. Yeah. I just feel like that, that's what makes it like for people that just, those are the moments that he he was smiling already when he pointed if he pointed at the leg and was like no i'm not yeah, i'd have been like oh cool sit like that but the guy's pointing his leg laughing like i've got this how am i gonna get up on stage and i'm like i don't care get your ass up on stage yeah. and it was just like it just yeah yeah and he was younger and because was it makes it, for me it's about the people and i don't want him to feel he stood up so i'm like he wants to be involved i'm not gonna not have you involved yeah. just because, so yeah but for me again every all the material i do is designed to involve as many people as possible and to elicit as much gold from them as, as we can. Like even when we go back, I now know I can't do like deduction, the act. So it's now a case of going, cool, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna mix a bunch of the Q&A methods that I've done over the years. And I'm now gonna have, you know, 30 minds getting read all around our theater when we go back. And, and that will, you know, it won't be the same as watching it at the front, but we've got amazing cameramen and it will be on the screens and it will happen all around the room. And that will just feel big and be about people. And yeah, so 
where you've got music and people get into it because of the music, like at the Edinburgh Festival, uh, BGT this year have The Noise Next Door, not the original lineup, uh, but The Noise Next Door, the people basically would shout, when I knew them, and I still know a bunch of them really well who are not no longer in Boys Next Door, but like Tom has left, he's doing his own thing. But people would shout stuff out and they would create comedy songs to do all this stuff too. And I will say, by the way, the method for my coin and hand thing, the psycho stuff, came from watching them early on, but they would have the audience shout out ideas, suggestions, and they would go, cool, you, so... Is this just magic people watching? Or just is this magic people watching? Just magic people watching. It's magic people. Yeah, <laughs> magic people. Well, I mean, you've given away at least two things already. I know. Um, but, uh, but, so yeah, they would people shout stuff out, and I would just, they would just hear what they wanted to hear, and I was like, that's amazing. Like, is that what they're really doing? Or not? And I think sometimes they are, sometimes they aren't. I don't know, I've never asked. Um, and I don't really want to offend them by asking, but I thought that's a great idea, and it's very Chankanasta in its in its thinking. So th that's where it came from. But my point is, following them, where they would take ideas from the audience, turn it into a song with their suggestions. That for me was the hardest thing I ever had to follow on stage because it was music, it was upbeat, and it was suggestions from the audience. So that audience knew that that was just for them. That will never happen that way again. It was for them. And I would have to go on after them and be like, so everyone think of a word. Uh, it's just like, oh, it's just like, it doesn't compare. So then, so that's why it's been great having to go up against different types of acts and watch all these other acts and be influenced by them because it does make you raise your game and it makes you wonder or discover ways to make people care about what you're doing and more importantly, how you as an individual are doing it. Boom. Yeah, that was, I, that was open. I, I like to, what I, I play this little game now between the four of us where I like to end my statements sooner than you guys think I'm gonna, just so we get that bit of silence, just to keep you on your toes. <laughs> yeah, it didn't work. It didn't work. No, no. Okay. I, I'm having a regret about now. <laughs> this voodoo doll in the background with a tree growing out of it. Oh what? yeah, it's, uh, it's not my actual voodoo doll, but um. That is uh, is ones I'm selling. So ah, well, you're, it's not my actual voodoo doll, but it is the voodoo doll that if I poke, yeah. my voodoo doll feels it. Wow, cool. Yeah, my other one. He's uh, he's all in bed. He's tucked away. Oh, so nice. nice. So when that voodoo doll just fell over there, did the real voodoo doll fall over as well? Oh yeah, he's got concussion now. He's yeah. he's yeah. gone. Yeah. Wow. Oh, perfect. Are these answers okay? I never know. Like, yeah. No, they're brilliant. And by the way, the reason uh, I like I love doing stuff with right. So what I'll say is, Chloe knows my act material now better than anyone else. And Chloe, not only working on her stuff, also now with the Zoom stuff, you know, Chloe has been as involved with pioneering that side of things, you know, just as much as me. I cut the chop cut. <laughs> she did not like the chop cup. Um, I, I love that. Try it. But even. No, I'm glad. It, it made you happy. It did for a bit. Uh, but I've got like 50 chop cups that I ordered now in a drawer if anyone wants to buy them. Uh, um, but even the, the show that Shane and I do has only really ever been directed by Chloe and Casey, so our wives, and Blaze, Sarah. <laughs> excuse me, the uh, phenomenal card magician um, and a great performer in general. But uh, the five of us really are the core team of that, which is great because Ken Weber came to see the show. Um, we had dinner after and Ken said, now, who who directed the show? And I was like, oh, he hated it. I went, why are you asking? He went, just the transitions. And I was like, oh, he hated the transitions. I went, 
uh, like, what about the transitions? And he was like, they were brilliant. And I was like, we did. We created the transitions, Ken. That was us. Yeah. Whew. You know, uh, so I'm glad that someone who I respect as much as Ken, who knows that that side of things super well, like he's watched it and he's uh, he's like very like, yeah, his praise for it was wonderful, but it's very much been the five of us. So well, I think because we all, we're all performers, but we all come from different backgrounds. So I think that helps because it's all great bringing in a director, but half the time they don't know magic. So that doesn't help either. Or they've only ever like done stuff in magic and not other fields and it doesn't work either. So I think it's good that we all have our yeah. own little thing that we can bring to the table to, so that it's like a clean, slick, Yes. Sure. The other person I should name is David Gerard, who has directed all my stuff. He's like my best friend. He was the best man at our wedding. Uh, but he, so my stuff has all been heavily David influenced. But the fact that you and Casey are dancers, that's why I think that the lighting transitions, like if you're talking to me about lights and stuff, oh, I don't, I don't care. But when you get people that know it from dancing and stuff and know how to use it, then it's like, cool. So that's why I think that that works so well. So yeah, but even like, and I did see that one, like one of the things we were chatting about was like online stuff. And I think yeah. Chloe probably like even knows more about online stuff than I do because I am just very much doing the uh, the tricks, whereas Chloe is very kindly helping produce it and like literally turn it from this idea that I had in my head into like a real thing. So it's very different doing a, a, a Zoom show than it is doing a live show. It still like, feels it's... insane saying that that as if it's an okay thing. It's just hilarious that. <laughs> online shows yeah. have become a thing but like great that we've adapted but like mad it's just yeah it's really weird to see what people connect with and what people don't like there was a few things that we were like wow that did not like in the very very beginning when we were just testing stuff there is a delay there is, like it's not the same like not everyone's mic is on so it's like you deliver a line and it's just like okay we just move on like it's re it's a weird like you don't have that instant um like gratification it's really weird it's just not as smooth but i think yeah but it's, you just have to go at it as if you're still doing it for like a thousand people and like they'll feel it and they get you know we've learned how to like get everyone involved and like because it's you see people like we're the worst for it because we've watched a few zoom shows now we're the worst people for picking up our phone there's a dog some you know one's barking we like you get really it's so easy to get distracted when you're at home compared to being in a theater where you're just there so it's like we've kind of learned how to like find those people that are starting to drift to like bring them back into the room and get them more involved because it is hard to get you know let's like what zoom is what 25 people of screen like per mm, thingy yeah. like trying to get that many people to like focus for for an hour is hard but um but I think we're doing all right yeah so what do you um what do you think of the future for online shows then i think in some ways they will continue because i think i think maybe for like corporate that might still be a thing like i'm sure they'll still want at some point like you know a big company whatever they do like end of year awards and all stuff like that but i think you know if you can have someone do this a similar thing you know especially if you have like an international company that has like branches here and in the uk and so here in vegas and in the uk or wherever at least you can bring everyone together um through Zoom or StreamYard or whatever, um, and have performances or whatever, um, you know, through this. I think that's great. Um, and why, why fly someone in and put them up in a hotel and spend all this money when you can just do it through here? Like, so it's not the same. We all know it's not the same, but I think I don't necessarily think a 
CEO really cares. I think they're just like, oh, that's great. I'm doing, I'm doing something for my company. Um, and I think it's been surprising watching Zoom shows. Like, I won't say the ones we've watched, but we've watched a lot of different Zoom shows, Magic and like, uh, like Variety. And it's been interesting to see what does well and what doesn't. And it's shocking. Like, so our dishwasher keeps beeping downstairs. I'm like, what is this beep? <laughs> um, yeah, it's really weird. Like we watch some more like amateur, like people that are doing like m more like hobby, that like magic's their hobby. And they actually have some really good ideas. And it wasn't as polished and as clean as like someone that's been doing it forever. And you could tell they're a little nervous, but just seeing someone just be like, screw it, I'm gonna do it. I love magic, I'm gonna do it. This is a great platform um why not you know they don't have to book a theater like they you know a lot of people are putting on free shows right now just to like do it and get the stuff out there and they've actually done really well like i you know like just new ideas stuff i've never seen in magic before um so that's been kind of nice to see as well yeah i think this will be around forever now yeah. uh, i think at the moment it's probably fair to say that it's 99 percent of entertainment being booked one percent some smaller things are still happening or yeah. sorry starting to happen again but 99% of entertainment at the moment is done on Zoom. I think uh, Broadway has announced that it's not opening until 2021. Neither is the West End. Based on what I've read recently, yeah. subject to change, obviously, and hopefully it will. I know that our plan is to go back. I mean, put it this way. Absinthe, the show in Vegas, is opening up in two or three weeks, which yeah. is like, wow. wow. That's and that's great as long as it's safe and as long as people are not passing this virus on there. As long as it's done in a controlled way, then great. What what wonderful light at the end of the tunnel but again it comes down to people being safe yeah. first and foremost performers crew and audience like their safety is the number one thing of course it is um we'll be going back with within a few months everything going to plan if it's safe to do so and we're looking at the measures that we want to take to make sure that everyone in that theater is safe yeah. um but i think by january when they have you know potential vaccine I think it will then have shifted. I think I'm hoping that people watching this are getting bookings for smaller events at Christmas. Like I hope December people will be back and people in their head should be gearing up for that being a thing yeah. and not ruling it out. The scary thing for me is when I saw some of the prices that people were charging for their shows online, it was like so low that I'm just like, oh guys, you're gonna hurt yourself in the long, like, long run. Like early on, like, well, to start with, we came back, we were, uh, I was on tour in, uh, where was I, Wisconsin? Was it Minnesota? Minnesota, somewhere out there, right? In the there. middle of America. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you were. You did. And we were coming back. We had to come back because it got cancelled. And for the first day or so, I sat on the sofa and I'm like, what the hell am I going to do? Like, this is it. Like, like we just moved to Vegas for the show. Life's over. And I was like, man, screw this. Like, there's, either this thing can beat me right now or I can adapt and learn how to. So two things had to happen in parallel. One was, what tricks can I do on a show that are still mind reading and not just predicting stuff for an hour. And the other is, how do I make this video look like as good as it can be? Like, how, what's the scale? What are the lights? What are the, and I'm very lucky that, you know, I've got friends like Ran Pink who talked me through how Theory 11 set up their lights and stuff and told me what to get. And it was like, cool, then that, done, let's get that. Uh, camera wise, I, I have a bunch of friends who knew cameras. Again, Ran was helpful in that as well. How to set, like, an f-stop an iso i'm like what what are these letters why are you spelling fizzle at me um but like all, all this stuff i had to learn and it was just like 
learning how to make it look amazing and be amazing at the same time. Like that had to happen because like I tried an Instagram live for like 15 minutes and the streaming quality from my phone was dreadful. And I was like, whoa, how are some people making this stuff look like they're in a TV studio? And I had to learn all that. Uh, so, so did that. And then kept just writing and adding to the material. And over the like a month, like I was doing like Chop Cup was in there. It's now gone. Smash and Stab was in there. It's now gone. It's like I only want to do stuff that I feel really is authentic to me. And I don't want to, yes. you know, I'd rather do a slightly shorter show that is all me than I would a longer one. But the other thing, like I was saying, the pricing is that I didn't want to do it for too low of a price either. So I knew I had to be at a certain level before I could charge the amount I wanted to charge. Because I didn't want to just like have the perception for after this be yeah, well, we got him for that much online, so surely it's maybe only a few hundred dollars more to fly him in. And it's like, no, like different times, different. So like yeah. making sure clients are aware of that and like the online and the ticketed stuff is just fun because it, it keeps it fresh. And that is me basically practicing for then the corporate shows that are you know coming in because it is now a real thing and people do have the budget that if your show is of the quality, it should be like the same criteria you set for your live show should definitely pass over here so that you can charge the money you deserve to be making from doing this stuff um because when i see some people charging like 20 25 pounds a show it's just like whoa it's just like dude i mean like respect for learning it and doing all this stuff and yes but like you're gonna hurt your like in the long run i think that's just not ideal um but I mean, good for them for trying and getting, and hopefully they'll start ramping the price up quickly. But you know, companies have budgets for this stuff, so it's like don't don't think you need to completely like kill yourself over like doing loads and like getting paid not a lot for it. That's not the case. Um, so this will always be here now. I think at least eventually when we have the vaccine, it will switch to maybe like ninety percent live, ten percent like this, or maybe five percent like this. But even as Chloe said there, if, if I'm doing an event in New York and they want to sh- like live Zoom at the same time, their clients their, or their, their employees in Tokyo and London and they bring it all together. So there are yeah. screens everywhere. So everyone's not in the same room, but then maybe I, I get flown to New York and I'm performing in New York, but we're also I'm doing routines with people who are in Japan and London. Yeah. And so maybe that will be a thing as well, you know, and it'll be a way to connect people much yeah. more efficiently and cost effectively yeah. than than before but uh yeah i think it will always be here and i think now as ever it's a case of going right cool what tricks do i want to do like i think I, I like the number of times we've seen invisible deck done and i get it invisible deck is like so easy and it's a great trick i get it but it's just like cool make that your starting point or your safety net and then grow from there you'll always have that but and start with that cool but like evolve it from there and see where else you can take this stuff and I think it's also opened up like live entertainment to more people as well like not everyone can afford to fly to vegas what like tickets for some vegas shows are insane like not everyone can afford to do that so if you're buying like a ticket for your whole family and it's only one device that you're watching it on that's a lot more affordable for like a big family which is amazing that's nice. Yeah, it is. And like, that's why I've not gone crazy with the number of people for sure. Like it's 25, 30 max. Um, and that's just so that everyone does feel like, you know, it was, it's very personal to them and they're all part of it. And, you know, illusionist was always like, when we did 8,000 seaters, it was always like, how are these people meant to be feeling magic right now? This is like yeah. crazy where, cause it's too big. Whereas when it's intimate and it feels really personal for people, then yeah, that's so, I think that's a big thing, is the engagement factor and learning, like every routine that I do, 
I try and involve people, and even more so now that I've made edits, everyone is going to be used in their home for every routine if they want to take part. Because yeah. for me, it's all about including everyone and making everyone feel like they're involved. Yeah, that's what I loved about um, the online show when both myself and Aiden uh, watched it. To be honest, we actually loved the uh, the cup routine. Like when you <laughs> revealed the money in the watch, we were like, oh, and Aiden was like freaking out. You'll probably see back in the in the footage. Yeah, that's me, full layman. I'm just, I just honestly loved it. But no, it's um, it's really interesting, and that's what we liked about the the show when we both watched it. Like how every single person in there was like taking a part of it, and you, you spoke to everyone. Like I loved that, and I just think it's just so much better than all the other online shows. And I went away from it, and I spoke to Aiden, and I was like, well, that puts my show to shame. <laughs> but it's just the, the personal stuff is yeah brilliant i think we like we did a lot of testing in the beginning mm -hmm. as well with like how do we you know because it's hard with magic and with using like we played with Streamyard before and it's great like it, with the way you can play videos and stuff like that but we wanted to have more people we wanted to have like 25 30 people which is what we do for Zoom. But then it's it's hard because you want to see these people's faces and they feel good when they see themselves on the screen. Like it does, you know, it, it's, they're like, oh, I'm on telly, you know. Um, but it's hard because you're trying to do that and trying to see him do what he's doing and know that like the, viewing them and viewing him, there's nothing sneaky going on in between because there isn't. There's no like, it's not like, oh, we're going to cut away from Colin while he does something he shouldn't be. Like, it's not like that because you can, you know, you can still see him on like the gallery view thing. But that took a lot of time to kind of play with and get a balance of seeing everyone, seeing their reactions. Because I think as well, if you see someone else react, you react as more as well. Because it's hard when you're like, everyone's muted, everyone's sat there and you're like, oh, do we, do we react? Do we not? Like, it's a weird thing. Cause it's not like when you're in the audience and you clap, it's like this, Yeah. it's a very strange thing. Especially cause like, yeah, you get families, but then you'll get like, a couple that's just them two or like one person watching because they're you know they're home and quarantine but so it's like a weird it's a weird vibe but we've tried to find ways of getting everyone involved like we have times when it's a bit crazy but we just get everyone's mic on so you hear that you can you hear everyone it's loud it's annoying for a minute but it gets everyone like a bit more chill and like oh okay we can talk to you like we're not always going to hear you but there's at least some kind of back and forth there yeah, and that was, like, very important. And, like, yeah, I mean, the show is very much, like, Chloe and I have sat for days and days and days, like, writing and rewriting and loads of little things, even, like, you know, who's spotlit at what. Like, even switching from StreamYard to Zoom and then having to relearn everything and just how we best use it because StreamYard's the best, the way you can bring in people like this and put people out. But Zoom, you just can't have two people side by side. So it's then like, um, we looked at, you know, we sat with Blaze the other night for hours on OBS looking at how do we best do it. Yeah. And it's just like it crashed a bunch. There's like, no perfect um, platform, platform right now. Because obviously we'd ideally have Colin is full screen and everyone can watch him. And then there's times that I would want to bring in like, like we are now. So say he wanted to do something with two people and this is, would be what everyone can see. But you don't, we don't have that in Zoom. So it's a lot of jumping around, but we make it work as best we can. Yeah. And it's a great, it, I think a lot of people use Zoom, a lot of um, companies use Zoom. So it's very easy for them to be like, oh, we're just gone Zoom, whatever. Like we didn't know what it was <laughs> like, like in March. Yeah. <laughs> we had no idea. I was like, I don't know what Zoom is. Like when have I ever used Zoom yeah. for what we do? Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, we've adapted. Yeah, I think that's the big thing at the moment is learning to adapt and uh, yeah, and just taking again what you're really passionate about and finding a way of delivering it in a way that still really resonates with people and is very doable. Um, I mean, some things are harder than others. Like we've watched again, as you said, some things that aren't quite there yet, but I think sometimes it's the camera quality or the sound quality that suffers. And it's just like- Well, cause our, we obviously set it up the best we can, best light we can, like we make it look as great as we physically can. But then some people are on their phones, some people are on iPads. Now yeah. the screen is a different size and stuff is getting cut off. Like this is all stuff we just kind of had to learn along the way well, yeah, and that, like get feedback from people. Like even the fact that it's not your download rate, it's your upload rate that's the big thing for when you're wanting people, to like- Oh, people using these virtual backgrounds are horrible. Yeah, so... Because they're like, they move and you can't, see, like sometimes they like we've got them doing stuff to the screen and then like it vanishes and you're like, oh. <laughs> which is all stuff we can't control, but. Yeah, we but we're learning and I'm just, again, I just joke about it and reference it and like, yeah. it makes it feel real for those people. So yeah, fun. Oh, I love that. There's so much, so many valuable insights in, in literally everything that you've, you've said about obviously on the online show, literally everything, there's going to be so much value for the listeners there. So again, huge thanks for, for just pouring out your minds to us. That's, that's yeah. great. <laughs> uh, is is there anywhere that, the listeners can follow and find both of you is there anything that you want to plug or throw out our address is 2004 <laughs> no, um i uh, i'm on instagram at colin cloud is that what you mean yeah yeah that's what you mean yeah. Yeah. plug everything plug what you want uh, colin cloud uh or cyber for, for instagram cybermentalist.com you can find out about the show um anything else that's it that's all right. Instagram is at Chloe L. Crawford. I haven't changed it yet. I need to update it. Yeah, Chloe Cloud. Chloe Cloud. Um, and then, oh, I'm about to, well, it's up. It's almost finished. My new website, which is just magicbychloe.com. That'll be up oh, by the time. It, it's up. It, it's, it's missing one thing, but it's up. Yeah. All brand new. Um, that, is that it? That's it. And then yeah. your show. I said that cybermentalist.com. If they're magicians and they want to buy stuff on the same psych artist has stuff, um but that's like mentalism stuff that's mentalism stuff and then tickets are available on there and we're doing shows every saturday every set and sunday no is just, it just saturday well it's saturday at 1 p.m and 7 oh, p.m pacific which so that there's at least one show at night in the uk which is like 9 p.m uk or 3 a.m uk if anyone really yeah. just wants to but saturday for the next month every saturday for the next month uh and we'll see what happens yeah we'll be able to put all of the details in the show notes so uh, people can check that out and um awesome. yeah it's highly recommended it's fantastic man and had a great time watching it so thank uh, it's, it's great but honestly thank you so much for coming on today uh, me and aiden have learned a lot and i know the listeners and the viewers wherever people find us are going to learn a lot because there's just so much gold in what you guys have shared so honestly thank you for for being here and thank, thank you for taking you guys. take care Hey, it's Aiden here. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, it would really mean the world to us if you just took a moment to leave a rating and a review on your preferred podcast player. That way it just helps us grow the show and get it into the ears of more listeners across the world in a non-creepy way. Also, when you're ready to roll, here are three ways that we can help you right now. Number one is to join our free Facebook group. It's called the Magician's Business Group and we're creating the most valuable space on the internet for entertainers that are looking to grow and improve their business. We'd love you to join us inside. So to do that, just head over to thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash group and the magic of the internet will take you straight there. 
or just pull open Facebook and search for The Magician's Business Group. Number two is to take our new quiz. It'll help you find the biggest opportunity in your entertainment business right now. And in just a few quick questions, you'll be presented with a seven minute breakdown of your biggest opportunity and how you can actually go about tackling that to help increase your entertainment business and boost it completely. In order to take the quiz, just head over to thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash quiz. That's thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash quiz. And we'll be able to get you your results. Number three, momentum. If you'd like to make an extra two grand a month in magic without paying a penny for advertising, we'd love to help you. Our latest coaching program, Momentum, is designed to get you booking gigs every single week for at least £500 so that you can be growing your entertainment business without having to worry about websites or business cards or advertising or any of that kind of stuff. To find out more, just head over to thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash momentum. That's thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash momentum, and we'll send you all of the details.